Hi, you're listening to The Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community, one interview at a time. This is Diana. And this is Courtney. How are you doing, Diana? I'm really fired up. <laughs> Shout out to Marcus Santos. <laughs> um, I'm not actually not really fired up, but I'm trying my best to be because I'm really tired. How are you, Courtney? I'm good. I'm about the same. I uh, had a dream I dropped a burrito on the floor, so, you know, <laughs> trying to get over that. But other than that, doing, <laughs> doing pretty good. <laughs> Let's hope that dreams don't come true. <laughs> so anything on the uh, on the drumming side? It seems like you've kind of taken a little hiatus from our Monica 2 endeavors for a little bit. Yeah been kind of nice to have that free day off less busy yep yeah miss it gotta keep practicing at home <laughs> practice 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 for all you want to pdx members yeah especially you kaisha players <laughs> keep it up guys you heard what she said so today we have a special guest courtney would you like to introduce our guest yes today we have amy Cadel. Amy is the director of San Diego's Supersonic Samba School, and she's excited to share her knowledge of Brazilian drumming with us. She began playing percussion at the age of eight years old and continued her education in percussion performance to achieve a BA from Humboldt State University under Dr. Eugene Novotny and an MA from the University of Akron, Ohio under Larry Snyder. Although she's thoroughly rooted in Western music, Amy fell in love with the music of Brazil at age of 18 and followed her passion to study the technique and rhythms of the baterias of Rio de Janeiro and Bahia, as well as the traditions of Maracatu, Pagoji, Fajó, and Condomblé. Amy approaches the teaching of Brazilian music from a place of respect for the culture and the traditions behind the music. She uses Western methodology in the teaching of techniques and rhythms, as well as the traditional folkloric approach making her classes an excellent learning place for beginners as well as experienced community members. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Amy. So enjoy the show. Hey, Courtney, hold on. Is this part of it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know why I'm playing that, Courtney? I do, actually. This morning, we're recording on the 4th of July. (laughs) So I thought I'd be a little festive. Excellent. There you go. Awesome. Happy 4th, everyone. You're going to hear this later, but... Like two weeks from now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Happy 14th. Happy Bastille Day. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here this morning to record a little podcast with our friend Amy Cadle. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How about you? Waking up, getting caffeinated. Mm -hmm. I have my coffee. (laughs) So Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your current group that you're working with? Sure. So I am the director of the Bateria of the Supersonic Samba School in San Diego. 
Um, I've been in that position for about three years now, but this group has been around for a very long time, about 28 years. This wow. Week. Yeah, so uh, I teach classes twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays, uh, beginning and advanced levels, and prepare the group for events, work with our uh, dance director to collaborate on dance and musical performances. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what is your background? Where did you get started with music? Well, I started when I was eight years old with all kinds of music in uh, your classic uh, school band, basically. Started playing drums as a fifth grader in concert band and um, literally wanted to play drums because all the girls were playing flute and I thought it would be cool to play something different. Um, so I picked up drums and stuck with it through high school and played in marching band, jazz band, all of that. And then when I got to college, I thought I was done with music and went to Humboldt State planning on something. I didn't have a major in mind yet, just wanted to go there. And um, But I did play in the Marching Lumberjacks, which <laughs> is a very awesome organization, scatterband style marching band um, in the style of Animal House. And uh, one of the drummers in that group told me that they needed an extra percussionist in symphonic band and that I should go talk to Dr. Eugene Novotny, the head of the percussion program, and see if I could uh, participate in that. So I went in, um, I passed like a simple audition, not necessarily wanting to be a major, but they showed that I could play. And then it's like, hey, there's a Brazilian ensemble. You don't have to be a percussion major to be a part of it, uh, but you can come in once a week and play Brazilian drums. I'm like, hmm, I've never done that before. That sounds cool. So I spent a semester playing in the Brazilian ensemble. And uh, the semester after that, I became a percussion major and completely delved into all of it. And a year later, got to go on a school trip to Brazil, where we went to uh, a week in Bahia and a week in, um, in Rio and studied with some amazing teachers. And I pretty much became obsessed and <laughs> never looked back and uh, just pursued Brazil and Brazilian music and culture from that point on uh, pretty obsessively, even through uh, grad school, uh, went with a performance percussion degree studying all the percussion, um, classical music, all the music of the African diaspora, um, uh, crazy modern music, avant-garde things, but I uh, kept sticking with Brazilian music and had the amazing opportunity to study with teachers like uh, Marcos Santos, Dudu Fuentes, uh, Ayotan Nunes, and tons of great people playing with a few baterias along the way with uh, local formesa up in Arcata. Um, over in Ohio, where I did grad school at the University of Akron, Ohio, there was a great group over there called Samba Joya. Um, got to work with them a little bit. And uh, yeah, pretty much fell in love with the music. I couldn't stop. <laughs> nice. Did we, Diana, did we talk to somebody else from, what did you say, Boca Formesa? Yeah. Hmm. It's possible. It was one of the early... Um, up in Arcata, there's been a couple different baterias that have gone through. Local Formesa was one of the first uh, official okay. organized baterias before, um, what else came on? There was like Samana Shuva was a dance group with Maria, uh -huh. um, Bloco Alegria. Uh, there's a, there's so many blocos up there. They're right, awesome. Right. Samba Amor is up there right now. Yeah, that must be in where I heard. Yeah, probably. It's kind of the forerunner to all of that. Gotcha. Now, it seems that 
that um, in Arcata, there's a lot of a lot of people come out of that program. Mm-hmm. It, it is amazing for such a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere in Northern California, the quality of music coming out of that school. I would say definitely thanks to Dr. Eugene Novotny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very, very good with uh, making sure his students are very well-rounded and they do music from Ghana, Guinea, um, Cuba, a huge uh, Trinidad and Tobago steel band program. They have a something like a 40-piece steel drum ensemble up there. And then the Brazilian ensemble is always huge, something like a 30-piece bateria. And so people get drawn into it. And a lot of those classes are available to non-majors, people who are not necessarily wanting to learn all the orchestral percussion and the crazy marimba technique, but they feel drawn to the music. So you end up getting hundreds of students coming out of these programs with a pretty good knowledge of different world musics. And it happens to be a town that really loves it's performance arts and there's always opportunities to play around town. So people get to see it everywhere. Just, I'd say it's a town where uh, the general population knows more and recognizes Brazilian music, African music, Cuban music. They can just be like, Oh, Hey, there's a Roomba group on the plaza today. And people just know what that is. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of the students, I mean, cause that, I remember when I went to Humboldt for one year and when um, they would, the Brazilian group would parade through uh, campus and it was just like so attractive. So I'm sure that gets people on board. And then, you know, there's so much happening in town people can be a part of. So as people graduate, they just join the community group in town and it just keeps growing and going. It's always a blast. And especially with the uh, North County fair, so we kind of have a core group that would play throughout the year at different parties and things like that, uh, musical venues. But then once a year, they get a whole huge group of people together for the North County Fair. And even if you're not necessarily a samba dancer or a drummer, there's something for you to do in it. So if you've been watching those people perform all year round, like, hey, I want to do that. You can come in and be a part of that um, awesome event. Yeah, it's super fun. Uh-huh. So can you tell us about how your group... Oh, the Supersonics. How does your group run? Are you the sole leader? Do you have section leaders? How does that? So we are a nonprofit organization, and um, we are run by a board of directors. as a chair, vice chair, secretary, treasurer, all of that. Um, and that organization handles the business side of things and our finances. And then creatively, um, I am co-director with our dance director. So uh, Myself and Jessica Mercado are in charge of all the creative aspects of the group. Um, She handles the dancing side, all the costuming and things and uh, choreos for them. And I handle the drumming side. So we work together really closely to make sure the shows are representative of everything we want to represent and um, the material we want to focus on for the upcoming year or season or whatever is coming up. So um, we like to do a lot of different styles in our group. Um, we do some batucada from Rio. Um, I'm a big fan of samba reggae. It's the first music I ever learned was Ilaye style, uh, like local Afro stuff, and I love it. So I always love bringing that around. Um, we do some maraca too. So we try to put together uh, a show that shows a lot of different variety of Brazil because a lot of people just think of like the Rio samba costume style when they think of Brazil. It's the most popular and well-known thing. So we're like, hey, yes, we have that, and that's awesome. We love the feathers, but let's also check out all these other things because Brazil is so amazingly diverse 
and as a country and culture. Um, so we are a community-based group where we don't turn anybody away and uh, we're set up with membership fees where people can buy a class package. Um, it's very affordable. It's like either a $10 drop-in or if you buy a package, depending on the size of the package, it goes down to eight or $5 a class. And then we don't turn anyone away. We have work study available so that all members of the community can be a part of it. That's part of our mission statement is that anybody can come, anybody can learn. Um, and any levels are accepted. We do have some gigs that are more professional level gigs where we have kind of the A team that we'll take out for those. But for our big community events like parades or um, you know, like community fundraisers, fairs, street fairs, we bring everybody out, even if it's holding a sign or waving a banner or being the water person or whatever it is. We, we like to get everybody involved because uh, we really want it to be about community. So even maybe players who aren't quite ready to perform in the parade, they'll hold it. Usually try to find something or... for them to do, yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. We have a, a couple members that um, are alter-abled or disabled who uh, need some help. So we have a couple. We have uh, we rented a pedicab once for a few of our members. So we had people like helping out with the pedicab and uh, awesome. or just holding water. There's, there's always things to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. How do you have that conversation with somebody if you don't feel like they're ready to perform? I think uh, luckily with the group we've had so far, a lot of people are pretty self-identifying. Um, it becomes pretty apparent in rehearsals if someone doesn't know their parts and I never want to make them feel uncomfortable about it. But um, if I need to, I'll take them aside privately and just be like, hey, um, this is the material we're doing for this, and I can tell you're not quite there yet. Um, so for this show, let's uh, have you have this role instead, and then let's work towards the next show to have them be a part of it. Um, I want to include everyone, of course, but there's also a level of performance where um, people have to know their roles, because the Bateria is a very... It, everyone's got to work together, and we all have to do our part and do it well for it to sound awesome, you know? Right. Right. So, Amy, how does your uh, group deal with instruments like for new band members? Do you have a collection that you use or how does that work? So we have um, a handful of instruments that are owned by the school and they've been in our hands for a very, very long time. Um, we're also very, very lucky to have um, one of our members, Miley, who owns her own set of drums, which she is very gracious in allowing us to use. So we have a pretty good plethora of drums and a few members own their own things, but uh, there's generally a few instruments available for people to use. Right now, surprisingly, because it wasn't always like this, our surdus are all taken and I love it. I have the biggest surdu section I've ever had before, <laughs> um, which is amazing. But then I have a ton of tambourines and eat homes. So basically when we get new people, and it's like, okay, you're going to learn to play tambourine now. Come on in. Whoa. And, uh, <laughs> I know, it's just a big, uh, it, I can usually start them there, like just half time playing and playing really simple patterns. And mm -hmm. then as other instruments open up, I can kind of move them into, uh, into place. We're working right now to try to get uh, some sponsorships where we can get more drums so that, so I, I really like to start people on Surdu or Kaisha, um, but those are not always available. So uh, we're looking to get some more instruments soon or just as we go slowly encourage our members who have really found their instrument to purchase their instrument so that they can just be responsible for their own and open up school instruments for new people. 
so do so does everybody pay you talked about the fee mm -hmm. earlier like a oh, what do you call it yeah, yeah membership fee yeah. is does everybody every person pay, pays that pretty much unless um they feel like they can't and then we'll put them on a work study where they volunteer some hours at, um, at the place where we store instruments at the oh, community right center. So they come work the front desk a little bit, or if we need help making costumes or fixing the drums, things like that, they're like, all right, come do some hours and that will count. Um, but as a nonprofit, um, we need to have like a, a full membership list and things like that. So with the membership mm -hmm. cards, um, that's a good way for us to keep track of all of that. So all of our records are in order. Yeah. What about your practice space? Where do you guys rehearse? I know like real estate's out, out of control down there. Yes, uh, we are extremely lucky to have a home at the World Beat Center in uh, Balboa Park, which is this super cool yeah. building that's dedicated to performance arts, music and dance of all kinds. Um, they have West African classes out of there, daiko drumming, Cuban stuff, yoga. Like That, that building is house, houses so many cool things. Awesome. So uh, that's been our home pretty much from the start. Um, and on Sundays, uh, we actually go outside, though, because we have amazing weather here in San Diego. And uh, we want to get out in the sunshine. So there's a cool little park area under some trees on the grass where we get to go on Sunday afternoons and take in some sun. And as a way of kind of free advertising for ourselves, too, as we practice mm, and people idea. can see us come by and like, oh, what is this? Like, this is Samba. Come check it out. Um, so we actually get a lot of new members that way and people just dropping in on like, Hey, can, can I try? Like, sure. <laughs> <Come on in." laughs> and then when, so that I use that as our beginner class, um, and where we break everything down really slow. And then Wednesdays when we're inside the world beat, when we have the dancers with us, um, that's when we kind of kick up the level a little bit and it's more performance prep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, um, what about material? Do you guys rotate in and out a lot of material? Like your, um, you know, your music? I don't know what the word is. <laughs> yeah. Rep? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, that's one of my biggest weaknesses is I get really excited about new stuff. And then I throw a ton of new things at my poor drummers and they're like, wait, we just learned this other thing. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll calm down. Um, but I think in the past few years, we've been so lucky in the United States to get awesome teachers coming at a, like a regular pace. So there's almost too many amazing workshops that are available when we get our, our instructors coming through and especially around September and October. And they all want to do their USA tours and mm -hmm. come to every town. I love it. And it's so cool. But then I've got this giant stack of uh, material that I need to get through. I'm like, man. I still haven't gotten the one from last year. Ah. So right. yes, I do, I do rotate through um, a lot of cool stuff. Like we have a, a basic Rio style batucada rhythm that's like our standard. And then I'll rotate in breaks and variations, call and response stuff um, for Rio. And then in Bahia, um, I, I do like to mix it up. We kind of, right now we're in a little phase of Ola Doom style samba reggae. We were doing some Ilaia before, um, and then, I mean, I love Chimbalada. It's so hard to decide. <laughs> There's always so much cool stuff, especially when you get into the cool fusion stuff coming from Dudu Fuentes, where it's like, like that stuff's just super fun and funky and creative. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then on my end, I've, I've been writing material as well, which I love to rotate in um, and definitely let my students know, like, this is not a master's material. This is my stuff that I think is cool. So let's try it out. And um, I try to throw some of that in there as nice. well. It's, writing is super fun. And I think once you've been doing it long enough and get the ideas of it, like, okay, yeah, I would like to try a cool, like, Makulele arrangement for Samba Bateria. Why not? So do you rotate out material then so that you, mm -hmm. you know, don't yeah, have like a gigantic um, repertoire? <laughs> yeah, we kind of, I work through with that a lot with a dance director. Um, mm -hmm. We kind of decide mm -hmm. together when it's time to retire some material, if they've been doing a certain choreo for a really long time or um, want to try out some new costumes in a different style and like, oh, we just got these cool skirts. Let's do something with that. Like, okay, cool. So, or um, we do a lot of stuff based, we have a pretty set, performance calendar throughout the year where like right now we're getting ready for gay pride parade and that's one that we like to bring out all the big feathers and showy stuff so we work more on the rio style stuff um and then we have a couple gigs in early spring that um it's kind of slow moving parades so uh the samba reggae and bahians material works a little better for those style mm -hmm. events so we try to plan ahead um yeah. based on the events and then we get to brazilian day in september which is a whole other thing because <laughs> we do a stage show as our group as supersonic um and then we host the brazilian day bateria where drummers from all over come down and join us and we learn one samba and hey together and work with mr ailton nunes and like last year we had 75 drummers i think come together wow. for the group it was so much fun and like our drumming group is about 20 25 on a really good day um, so we had tons of people join us, and so we host that and host those rehearsals and prepare that material as well as our own stage show as ourselves. So it gets gets a little crazy, but it's a whole lot of fun. Awesome. Now, Amy, do you have singers with your group at all? Um, we have historically. Um, I've been hearing lately about some band versions of the group that happened. Right now, I'm I'm beginning to want to bring it back. Um, mm -hmm starting really simply with some very simple capoeira songs that we can sing over the top of uh, over the top of drumming um, in parades, especially if the hands need a break. We've been drumming for a while. It's like, okay, let's, uh, let's take a break and sing. Um, but at the moment, we don't have like someone with a microphone singing mm -hmm. over the whole group. I would like to get there eventually, but that's a plan for next year. <laughs> <laughs> How do you approach um, approach people to try to get gigs, like paid gigs? Mm -hmm. um, so we have a couple different ways that we go about it. Um, we have our website, which we push, that has information about all of that at sambasd.org. Um, <clears throat> we get some gigs through Facebook. We get some that are passed through uh, the Brazilian community here. So San Diego has a huge population of Brazilians and Brazilian performers. And a lot of times someone who's in a Pagogi band is contacted about having a bateria and they're like, well, we don't do that, but you can go talk to these guys over here. Right, right. Um, and then anytime we're out in public, we have uh, advertising postcards and business cards that, hey, if you want to have us at your event, here you go. Mm. Um, and we really try to structure it uh, two different pricing systems as like a professional rate or a community level rate because again San Diego has an amazing 
Brazilian community where a lot of people are doing this professionally. Um, like it is their job to be out doing Brazilian gigs with dancers. And as a community group, we're not trying to undercut those people who are doing that at a professional level. So in many cases, if someone's looking for a super high end tight professional level group, that's not necessarily us. And that's okay. That's not what we're really here for. And I might be able to direct them to someone like Solomar and Mark Lampson's group or Brazil dance company with Hanata Seco. Like there's, there's very high level performances of people who do it professionally out there. And while we'll take some of those and be able to take our A team out there and represent it well, um, we're really more about supporting the community and community style events and fairs where we we try not to do anything for free, but there are some events out there that are, are kind of grandfathered in or it's a really good cause and we're there for people, but generally we'll try to go for a community gig that we, if, as part of our nonprofit, like it shows a distinct community benefit, we'll do it for something like three hundred to six hundred dollars. Um, so it like it gives us something, but um, we're also there to support the community. Right. Cool. Oh, here's a question. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. That> <laughs> I know. How do you, or is it possible, to motivate your members to practice? um that's funny it's very applicable (laughs) to this current week (laughs) i just gave them a ton of new material and they're sweating it and i just posted a whole ted talk about how to practice and what practicing does to your brain to the site and they're like huh awesome yeah yeah um so i i love well not necessarily love but i make a ton of videos for my for my drummers um i go with the philosophy of give them every single opportunity to succeed. And then if it doesn't work, it's not necessarily on me. So I'm, I'm writing out all the parts. I am making videos of every single part and every single break. Uh, we have a Facebook members, like a private members page where all that material goes, as well as a Google Drive. If people are not on Facebook, they can go look at the stuff there. Um, I generally stay after rehearsals if I can, if anybody needs private help with their parts. Um, the practicing at home part is definitely, that's a hard one because I can't bug people at home all the time. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll do, I do, I'd, I'll post things on our group page and it's like, hey, practice this thing. Spend 10 minutes thinking about this break. And I'm like, okay, hopefully. And then I can see who reads that. And because <laughs> Facebook is great like that, I can stalk who's <laughs> reading my posts on our group page. Um, I'm watching you guys. Uh, (laughs) so I try to tell them that even if you can't necessarily play because drums are loud and not everyone has a practice pad, even though they should all go get a practice pad, um, if you're at least thinking about it, that can be a really important form of practice. So I try to tell them like, Hey, if you're stuck in traffic on your commute, like pay attention to traffic, but like run through that break in your head a couple times or play it on the steering wheel and if you forgot how it goes call me i i will answer and sing it back to you i'll put it on your voicemail i don't care what i have to do (laughs) so i just try to make myself completely available to anybody who needs help because yeah i never want them to feel like oh i forgot it and i'm not gonna remember it and amy's gonna be mad like no just ask me like i want us all to succeed um so i try to encourage them to spend time at home and 
I, I'll test them at rehearsals a little bit. I don't put it out there like a test, but um, like in the after we do a little warm up, I'll just call a couple breaks and see if they remember it. So they have that moment of like, oh, wait, do I really know it? Or was it just kind of like in there because we did it a bunch last rehearsal? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll stop and talk about it and be like, okay, so it wasn't quite there. So here we go. And then we'll we'll work it and then try it again next week on a dry run because that's how performances go. <laughs> you don't always have a chance to, to tech it beforehand. So I, mm-hmm. hopefully that keeps them honest and inspires them to go home and work on it. A great answer. <laughs> um, as far as your group goes, how do you um, do? You, you're a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. So, as far as costumes go and props, does the group pay for that, or do individuals pay for it, for their items? It's a little bit of both. Um, we try not to have the members pay for too much. Um, for example, the dancers, they might have to buy a bodysuit or the base of the costume that's going to fit their particular body, but then the accessories and feathers and headpieces um, are going to be owned by the group, so those mm-hmm. can be passed around and shared. Um, kind of the same thing with the drummers, where um, most of the time, like, we generally wear white. We're working on getting official school shirts made where they will have to buy those shirts. Or if there's a special event, like for uh, for Pride coming up, I have each drummer wear a particular colored shirt of the rainbow. So we collectively make the rainbow. Um, but I tell them to go to Michael's where it's $4 for a, a yeah. t-shirt. You know, I'm not trying to make them blow the bank on, on, a, on costumes for us. And if there's any accessories generally if we're we're tying on some brightly colored things the school will take care of those things because then we keep them and reuse them I think it's easier that way right and as far as say you sponsor workshops you you do that right Mm -hmm. do you do that both for the musicians and the dancers or is it mostly musicians that you bring in for your workshops I think just due to availability, we've had more drum uh, workshops come through, Um, but we definitely are happy to do both. Um, I've been very lucky to make a lot of connections through California Brazil camp uh, with a lot of those teachers, and they're they're always messaging like, Amy, can we come to San Diego? And I think they like coming down here because they get to stay at Miley's house and (laughs) by the beach, and it's like a little mini vacation. (laughs) So yeah, we've got lots of bonuses to come coming to San Diego. Um, so we have been trying to do like one every other month. I think we worked it out with our, um, with our members that as far as being able to afford it and not being overwhelmed with too much new stuff, uh, like every other month seems to be about a good ratio, good amount of workshops coming through. Cause for a little while it, it was getting to be like one a month and they're just like, we can't handle it as too much stuff. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, and plus it's more expensive to have uh, have masters come through masters, mm-hmm. uh, so we try to balance it out a little bit. Do you guys uh, write grants? Do you get grants? We are working on that. We are currently assembling our grant writing committee. So at the moment, um, we had a chairperson for a long time who was working for the San Diego Foundation, um, which basically does all kinds of grant writing and she was able to set us up with a few that way. Um, basically right when I came into the group, there was a big change in leadership in the, in the board where we kind of had to start over on a lot of things and, um, get all of our, 
nonprofit status stuff in order and all of our paperwork kind of redo everything. Um, and since then we've been building back up to getting more grants, but we, that is definitely going to be a major part of our funding very soon. Cool. Now, Amy, um, you know, we've been talking about your group and, and all that, but I wanted to, um, talk to you about your, you went to Brazil last year, right? For Mm -hmm. kind of an extended period. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did there musically? Sure. Um, so I went for two months and I did a month in Sao Paulo and a month in Rio. And the, the time in Sao Paulo was more of just like hanging out with friends and family, uh, a family of my roommates that I live with here. And though I did get to go see a ton of amazing Pagoji, which was kind of surprising to me because I didn't know too much about Sao Paulo other than it's just a giant city. But uh, one cool thing I learned while I was down there is that because it's a giant city and the economy is doing very well, um, there's a lot of people with money in Sao Paulo and they can afford to hire the best musicians from Rio to come down to Sao Paulo and perform. So like I saw... Mr. Ailton more in Sao Paulo than I saw him in Rio, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Like, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, Sao Paulo was definitely a lot about Pagogi. Um, there's an amazing museum there, too, um, in the name, in this park that I can never pronounce because it's a very difficult word to pronounce, but uh, there's a museum of Afro-Brazilian culture that was fantastic, and I spent, like, eight hours in that museum just just freaking out because there were so many cool artifacts um, of all the different cultures from Africa that had come to Brazil and contributed to the culture, um, costumes and drums and um, artifacts from Orishas. And it was just fantastic. So that was amazing. And I definitely recommend that if, if you just look up the, it's like the central park that exists in Sao Paulo and the, the museum in there is amazing. Um, and then in Rio, um, I got to stay in Lapa, which is an amazing town with lots of cool music going on, and uh, got to go to Batuca La Catuca rehearsals, mm-hmm. which was super amazing and fun, and got to work with uh, Dudu Fuentes out there, and those rehearsals were just a blast, and the material was so much fun. We learned the Agogo Especial number two, uh, <laughs> super fun. Uh, and then with one of his te- uh, his co-directors or like a assistant who works uh, with his group there, Mr. Georgi, who's the mystery of Escolaji um, Samba Abolisão, uh, he let me come over and play in a rehearsal with their group at a feijoada, which was amazing. And I got my butt kicked on Kaisha trying to keep <laughs> up with these guys, which was amazing and super fun. And it's always fun to get your butt kicked while playing. So I got to study with them, got to, again, just go to lots of cool pagogis. Um, it had been almost, goodness, like 10, more over 10 years since I'd been to Brazil last. And I think the last time I went before this trip was 2008 or nine, somewhere around there. So for me, I speak a lot more Portuguese now. I feel like I my knowledge base is a little bit better. So a lot of this trip was getting grounded in the culture and the role of the music in the culture. Um, and I went in a time that was like right after Carnival. So none of the schools were really up and running and doing much. There was a couple of little things. I got to go to Salgueiro, which was amazing for a little feijoada um, and a couple of other schools for little events. But 
the rehearsals weren't in full swing. So that definitely wasn't the focus of the trip. It was more just to like, just check out Brazil and um, in a more holistic sense than just going to study really focused, which hopefully I'll be doing next year. But um, yeah, it, it was a very, very cool trip. Definitely helped with my Portuguese got way, way better after two months of being there pretty much by myself and uh, mm -hmm. not getting to speak too much English with anybody. Um, oh yeah, I almost forgot. The other amazing part of that trip was um, the same time I was in Lapa, Ana Leili's uh, Samba, Melandro and Motion Group was down there for the Samba Gafieta um, oh, conference. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, so I got to stay with them for the week that they were there and watch them perform at this amazing Gafieta Congress and just kill it. They, they did such a fantastic job and got to meet all the Gafieta crew uh, from the Samba Gafieta, Rio Gafieta, Gafieta Brazil. I'm trying to remember the proper name of that group. Mm -hmm. um, Rodrigo Marquez's group. Um, right. And that, like, I knew nothing about Gafieta before going out there. And then seeing this high level competition level performance was just, it, that whole style is amazing. <laughs> I just watched them and some of their throwing girls up in the air and spinning and doing all these things. Like, what is this? I love it. <laughs> Uh, uh, the competition, like the energy there was so incredible. And there was no like bad blood energy of like fighting for this title. They, everyone there was so supportive and super nice and friendly to the, all the American dancers who were there doing Melandro and just so excited to, just to see that they were there. Like, wow, this group in the United States who cares so much and studies and works so hard with Anna and then gets to go show it in Rio. So it's, yeah, that was an amazing experience. Now, speaking of Samba Congresses, uh, did, you went to the one in L.A., right? Yes, I did. Recently? How was that for you? Oh, it was super fun. Um, I was exhausted for about a week afterwards because <laughs> not much sleeping and a whole lot of playing. Um, it, oh, it was a blast. It, was, it felt like a little mini camp um, where just, again, all these incredible teachers, it, it was definitely more, uh, dance focused, but there was a ton of great, uh, drumming as well. Marcio and Wagner were there. Um, Mr. Ayulton, Mr. Kaju, um, who else was teaching percussion? Uh, Carlinhos Pandero Gioru. So amazing drumming. And then I ended up, uh, accompanying most of the dance classes. So pretty much drumming from about 9 a.m. until, I don't know, 6 p.m. And then there's Jeez. performances at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in true well. Brazilian style, the performances that are supposed to start at like 8 or 9 don't start till 11 and uh, oh. go till, till they're done. <laughs> so not much sleep. Um, but it was, it was incredible. The, the teachers were so much fun. Um, and it's in this dance studio in downtown LA where there's four different rooms and a tiny little hallway between all of them and everyone's just packed in there and just you hear people just like yelling and singing and playing and dancing in the hallway and uh, Brazilian food being sold you've got a couple of the Bayanos set up like selling necklaces and earrings like it, it was incredible it felt like this little <laughs> mini world uh, in the middle of downtown and so great to connect with uh, all the students as well, people who are coming from all over the United States, even from other countries. There were people from France. Wow. It, it was very, very wow. cool. Yeah, I, I can't wait to the next one. 
Yeah, I don't think it was like Courtney. What you were saying that you would have gone if you would have known that there was drumming, right? Mm -hmm. I thought it was just dance. Yeah, so I was just I didn't wasn't even yeah. on my radar. Yeah, it definitely as a first run, we I think we learned a lot about what could be the next year for advertising and uh, organizing the whole event. Um, so <clears throat> when it happens again, though, I'm pretty sure there's going to be drumming again and we will advertise that much better yeah, let, us, let us know and we'll we'll <laughs> for sure we'll, we'll advertise the podcast yeah. Yeah. awesome okay we'll put it out there i'll tell anna yeah i know that pauline um a dancer from portland she went to it and mm -hmm. she said that she just she was kind of in a lull before that and she said she just got her love back you know nice. like, yeah i mean we had a heart we had a rough winter up here so I think really? <laughs> we were all pretty like I don't know, worn out in our souls, but she said she just came <laughs> back so fired up. Oh, yeah. oh that's awesome. Yeah, Based yeah. on how that happens, like actually California Brazil camp did that for me after I had to take a break. Um, after I got out of grad school, I had really bad tendonitis and I had to stop playing drums for like a year. And I did a few little things here and there and I was living in Palm Springs and just kind of not doing much with music and like, what am I doing with my life? Blah, blah, blah. And after a few years of that, I went to CBC and for my first time ever, I'd always wanted to go, but it was always at the same time that school started and just came back like, holy cow, this is what I wanted to do with my life. How could I have forgotten this? And just like, oh, it completely, like literally changed my life. I moved to San Diego to be closer to Brazilian music. I started playing again. Just it it's amazing how those events, when you get around people who love it as much as you do, and it's all right there where you can just focus on it, and it's just in your face, like you can't escape it. It's mm -hmm. amazing what that can do to your soul. It's so great. Yeah. And to know that you have a a network that's not just, you know, in your city, or it's not just you. It's like, I think with this podcast and with, with camp, I think we've networked so much, and like, we've built the community in the U.S., which is great. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, growing it's, for sure. We're yeah, it's so cool that like we have events all over the United States, and now um, what is there's the national samba co competition that happens in Arizona, which right. I've been going to play with them because the connections I made with Joe out there and the um, Samba Z crew, and um, one one of my dreams is to go to Austin and be a part of the Austin Carnival because that whole crew is amazing and mm -hmm. just there's so many cool people that you get to meet at camp and it's like, Hey, I have friends here, 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 and here. And Oh yeah. The Boulder, I got to go to Boulder's Brazilian day and um, hang out with them for that. Yeah. We have a big family. We're all pretty yeah. cool. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you were saying, it's nice to meet people who are into this. I mean, not that many people even in the U.S. know what it is. Like the average person doesn't. I mean, we're all super into it. But like I was yeah. living in a tiny town in Oregon. Well, I was living in Alaska and then a tiny town in Oregon. And it was just like I was the only person. <laughs> it was. And then going to camp I was like, holy crap, there's all these other people who love it too. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an obscure hobby for, as far as hobbies go. And not that it's necessarily a hobby. Some people, a lot of people do it for a living. But when you're striking up a conversation with a stranger, like, oh, what are you right. into? Like, uh, Brazilian drumming? <laughs> I know, and they're like, oh, hippie drum circle. You know? Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've made a point to not necessarily bring it up unless it is a very natural and necessary part of the conversation because yep. sometimes it gets into questions <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, no, we don't play bongos, no. <laughs> no jambes. Oh. No, no jambes, yeah, there, yeah, none of that. Yep. Uh. <laughs> 
hey, that's why we're here to educate and spread the knowledge and uh, inform the world. <laughs> Speaking of which, Amy, who are your mm-hmm. um, some of your favorite teachers that you've studied with? Goodness, um, I've said it already, but Eugene Novotny, Dr. Eugene Novotny, up in Arcata is the number one. He informed my whole philosophy about performance ethic and standards and what he calls the serious fun of music that yes it's an absolute blast to do it but you also have to take it seriously and make sure you're doing it right um so i'd say he's my foundation um but from there i'd say um, like marco santos out of boston i got to study pandero and chimbao with him for a while and uh he, besides the technical aspects, he really taught me the the aspect of being in front of a group and being an entertaining leader as well as just hmm. being a good player. Because um, like, if you've ever had a chance to see him, he puts on a show and yeah. he's always smiling yeah. and jumping around and being crazy. And I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, you, you got to be a samba clown. Like you, you put on the hat and you be crazy and that's your job. I'm like, huh, okay. Like, I, And I know that's not everyone's philosophy and it doesn't transfer necessarily to every type of performance but I think an, an audience really feeds off of the director's energy and the dr- the performers really feed off of a director's energy so mm-hmm. like, I've, I've taken that for sure and made that a part of my thing that even if I'm having a hard day or I'm frustrated because the group's not playing this one thing right I'll get in front when it's time to put on a show hey you got to go put on a show and everybody reacts well to that so I'd definitely give uh, Marco Santos props for that. Um, and since then, that was kind of my Ohio years of study. Absolutely, Mr. Ayolton Nunez. Um, since I came to San Diego, I got to work with him for the Brazilian Day Bateria. And learning, basically the way that works is we pick an enhedu, and then he'll send me the material for the bateria to learn, like uh, the tambourine parts, the style of batucada, what school we're emulating. And then I teach it to the group before he gets here, and then he puts the whole thing together. And just being getting to be a part of that and seeing his process and kind of seeing how he's writing the breaks and the tambourine design used for these things, it, it's really taught me a lot about writing and it's taught me a lot about how to how the inhedus work and how they function um and all the breaks so big props to mr ailton who i also met at camp so being in his tambourine line is a feat and it is <laughs> makes for a stressful week but it's so much fun <laughs> like basically that's your entire week is tambourine in hand recordings in the ear and shredding that stuff over and over and over and over so i remember watching you guys at uh, camp what year was that like two years ago when he yeah was... i think so circle and... oh it was insane <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it over and over and yeah. over uh, and that's a testament to what's going on in rio right now because the the style of writing in the in the schools right now is getting crazy it, they're breaking all the boundaries as far as what material is possible, what types of rhythms they can use, what the instruments themselves are capable of. It's really exciting right now. It's starting to remind me of drumline, which is my origins way back in the day in high school. It's all about drumline. And now I'm hearing the same kind of like surdu licks that are coming from like the tonal bass drums and drumline. It's like, whoa, you can do that on this stuff? Okay. 
okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really fun to watch right now. So being close to these teachers who have their finger on that pulse and you can kind of see what they're doing with it. It's like, oh, wow, this is not a static art form. It's evolving and changing all the time. And hey, we got to keep up with it somehow. Mm. (laughs) Brazil, keep bringing these awesome teachers here. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of any who I'm missing. I'd say Mark Lampson for sure. Um, I first got to study with him when I was like 18 up at Humboldt. He'd come up and do some workshops and there was a summer arts camp, uh, I want to say down in San Jose or Fresno, um, where we'd have like Ray Holman doing Pan. We'd have Mark Lampson doing Brazil, Michael Spiro doing Cuba and uh, CK Letzepko doing Ghana and yeah, that was some of my first exposure to playing different styles of Brazilian music, like some Pagogi, um, and really breaking down the instruments. So definitely some props to Mark as well. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a thing happening in Fresno. All <laughs> places. Before. Yeah, I think they stopped maybe five or six years ago, but there used to be a, it was a two week long, it was a crazy camp, like two weeks long mostly university students. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was put together between Long Beach and Humboldt. And hmm. uh, you basically stay on this the campus out there. And again, like nine to five, like 9 a.m. CK, let's get CK, let's up go Ghana syncopated six, eight bell patterns. You're just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been up all partying and jamming all night long with all these people. And then you have to wake up and like, okay, Okay, 12 bells. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Some good brain exercises. It's amazing. And learn an entire panorama by the end of the week. Like, okay, sure. I got this. So another time. (laughs) Kind of miss it, but it was definitely intense. Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Sounds fun. So I got a question. Running a community group can is just so is a ton of work and it can infiltrate your your whole life. Um, What inspires you to keep going? Oh, so many things. Um, It's a very good question. I think it's a combination of two elements. One is the, like my personal side of it is that as an art form, it's a group art form and I like literally can't do it without other people. Um, So if I want to hear some awesome, cool new rhythm that I'm really stoked on, I need at least eight other people to make that happen. (laughs) So um, having the community group is just like, hey, people, let me utilize you to make my dreams, my sonic dreams come come true. (laughs) Um, But then of course it's really rewarding to work with the group where like right now it's a, we have a really young group right now, not necessarily age wise, but as far as their exposure to Brazilian music or drumming in general, we have a handful of folks who had never touched a musical instrument before maybe two months ago and watching them progress and learn and get really excited about it too is super fun like i caught one of my drummers catching a little video at the end of our performance where he wasn't playing he was videoing but so he's in trouble for that but um he caught a video of like them hitting the last break and then the whole back line of my bateria who I don't always get to see up close just like the huge smiles on their face and just cheering because they hit the last break like that how can you beat that it's so so much fun to see people when they work for it and I almost feel like 
like I work with a lot of professional groups too and there's a point where even though you're having a having a blast like if you're working with professional people it's more of a job like you know how to do it you're gonna do it you're gonna do it well and bam um but for the people who are still struggling to like hold time or keep up the pace on Kaisha because they're starting to play faster and faster when they do it and they rock it and you see the progress happen like that's that's awesome I love doing that and I go back and forth sometimes because I one of my faults is that I have really high standards and I always want everything to be the best that it possibly can be and nothing's ever perfect and especially working with a community group there's no such thing I'd say as a perfect performance and I've come around to the fact that that is okay. Like it's absolutely fine that it's not perfect. It's more about the nature of it being a community group. It's about that we are a community and that we're creating community through the performance. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. I want everything to be as good as it possibly can be. But um, if someone misses a note on a break or if something weird happens, it's like, it's not the end of the world. The, The more important thing is that we're here together working on it and it's more of the journey rather than the one event if that makes sense but definitely having people to play the things i want to hear is <laughs> like guys i just watched this video of the super Eskenta from 2016 salgado let's try it they're like what <laughs> like just, just just play it check it out <laughs> awesome yeah <laughs> they're your rhythm slaves yeah mm-hmm. Pretty much. You've been playing um, this kind of music for a long time. What is one of your best or most memorable moments of playing Brazilian music? Hmm. Playing. Wow. There's there's definitely been. Huh. Playing. Performance or otherwise. At a couple watching that instantly popped in my mind. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay, so um, I'd say my number one experience with Brazilian music that will stay with me forever. Um, on my third trip to Brazil, when I went to Salvador for Carnival in Salvador, first time I'd gone for Carnival, um, I think I said it already, Ile was already a, a really big part of the material. Pretty much the first few years of Brazilian stuff I had learned was all Ile style drumming. And um, on this trip, we're getting <clears throat> been out partying in Carnival and the group I was with, we had had like a rough moment where it's like day four of Carnival. We're getting a little ragged and we kind of like split the group up a little bit. And um, I ended up sitting on a curb with one of my friends and just kind of like having this a little bit of a down energy moment. It's like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. This is insane. We had seen some fights break out, all that. And then um Literally, like, five minutes later after sitting down, we hear an announcement over the speakers that's, like, calling Ilae to assemble. And they, the bateria literally sets up right in front of us. I'm just like, what? Yes? <laughs> this is great. And they started their carnival run at, it was, like, probably one or two in the morning at this point. Literally right in front of us. And we just followed them until, like, five in the morning on the street, just, like, singing along clapping all the breaks with them just so stoked and um there's one particular moment where we got in front of um the bayana all the ladies in the big skirts all the older ladies and 
Like I was so happy. I was just like bawling my eyes out. <laughs> just like weeping. And one of the ladies comes up with her scarf and she's like wiping my tears. And it's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. It's like absolutely <laughs> incredible, completely euphoric and just incredible. And then eventually get home and I got back to our apartment and I got food poisoning and spent oh, the no. next day. That's That's pretty memorable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The whole day, like it, it was one of those. Everything goes in ups and downs, and that day was definitely a balance of the highest of the highs. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, I got punched in the face that day too. Oh my god! Random, (laughs) random on the street, no reason. Just got like walking through, and someone just took a swipe at me as I'm walking by. I was like, what? No. Hey, but that's. I don't want to make it sound like Brazil is a terrible, scary place, but carnival, you just got to be careful. And some things happen for no reason. And, but then you get to have the musical experience of your life following UAE for four hours. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a balance. I think the price was well paid, personally. <laughs> so, okay, the second, the second half of that question, what is the strangest, most interesting gig you've ever played? Oh, boy. There's been some weird ones. Um, <laughs> hmm. Goodness. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this was in Ohio, um, working with Samba Joy. And actually, Marco Santos was there for this one. He was leading this. And we were, our little Samba group was hired to play and lead a Guinness World Record drum set playing thing like it was supposed to be the the new record for the number of drum set people playing drum set at the same time in one place and so there's i forget how it was a lot it was like about a at least 100 drum set players all in this big room and they're all these like rockers like rock and roll type folks and our here's our little bateria of like 12 people we're up on stage in front of these little people and we're supposed to be playing our brazilian rhythms and leading these people to play together. <laughs> and <laughs> it was really weird. I, I don't know who planned this thing, but like, and we played a little bit at first just to show them what, like kind of what we we're doing and the looks we were getting from people were just like, that, what, what is that? <laughs> and luckily we had one funk groove in our repertoire. So we kind of just went to the funk groove and they could play a little bit along with that. But, like, we weren't mic'd or anything. So once the drum set started up, you couldn't hear us at all. It was just this cacophonous drum set. Right. It was so bad. <laughs> so we're just sitting up there just like, okay. And this is, again, where the the philosophy of if you're the leader, you just got to keep smiling and make it work. Like, props to Marcus. He just <laughs> kept it going and did his stick and got everyone fired up and did a couple little call and responses with them and made it happen. But that was definitely, that was an odd one. (laughs) So Amy, Mm -hmm. what are your go-to things in your drum bag? (laughs) Uh, Earplugs. Um, This mean like anything that's in my bag? Yeah, anything. What do you like to use? What are your favorite little tools? Let's see. Um, My five prong tambourine whopper is the light of my life and i love it and it's perfectly weighted and if i ever lose it it's gonna be a terrible terrible day um if you if you out there know what i'm talking about these whoppers are really hard to come by and if you find the one hold on to it 
they're amazing. Um, oh, they're, it's great. Um, I keep my, what I call my Samba Bible in there. It's a notebook with all of my notes and quick transcriptions of things. Um, that is gold and very precious. And uh, I've left it places one or two times and my students are very awesome and instantly just like grab it and take a picture of it. Like, <laughs> we have the book. Like, yes, thank you. <laughs> have you scanned it? You should scan it. I scanned mine. I have a lot of it scanned, but yeah, I of. add stuff to it all the time. And I thank you for reminding me. I will <laughs> scan things today. Reduces <laughs> <laughs> the panic when you leave it somewhere. <laughs> oh, I know. And I have like three or four books now, and there's things in all of them. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah I need to organize my life when it comes to my books. I've got, I think, four working notebooks of things. Oh, I shouldn't be confessing this to the public. <laughs> it's okay. It works for me. My system somehow works. Um, uh, my practice tambourine absolutely goes with me just about everywhere I go. Uh, the one of the ones that has the mesh head on it. Because mm -hmm. and if I'm stuck in traffic, I can pull that out and play that. Or if I'm, no matter where I am, I can work on something or even if I'm not using it as a tambourine I can use it with two sticks and play it like a kaisha um practice just about anything on that so that that goes with me in my wonderful little case that I found at a thrift store that happens to be exactly tambourine sized and nice. I think it used to be a bath and body works gift bag <laughs> there's a little tag on the inside but it fits my tambourine so that is what it is now it's good to recycle oh definitely I don't think I could find one of those bags intentionally meant for a tab room that's as good as this one is. So I'll take it. Sweet. Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't asked you? Anything you'd like people to know? Um, that's an excellent question. I think we covered, uh, covered all of our bases. If anybody happens to come to San Diego, come say hi, come play with us. Um, Every Wednesday night, 8 to 10 at the World Beat Center and just outside in the park, Sundays, uh, 11 to 1. First class is free. Come check it out. And your big event in September? Mm -hmm. That's going to be September 10th this year. That is Brazilian Day San Diego, the 10th anniversary this year. Um, we just decided on the Enhedu, which is going to be from Imperio Sohano uh, Aquarela do Brasil. Mm. Um, super awesome song we're just going to mm -hmm. start working on that any drummers out there if you want to come join us let me know message me on facebook um my name on facebook is emikara e-m-m-y-c-a-r-a um and yeah we'll get you in there you can learn the material come and join us it's amazing party we haven't figured out who our uh, headliner is going to be but last year it was carlios brown um so that's the, wow. the level of artists who are coming out for this event. It's an amazing good time. It, it's the event happens right on the beach. There's a beer garden, there's vendors. It's, it's a blast. Awesome. Do you have any shout outs to anybody? Uh, what's up supersonic? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably my big one. Um, shout outs, man. Let's see Arizona. I'll see you in October. Uh, Man, that's tough. Now I'm like, I want to shout out to everybody. Uh, California, Brazil camp, you all rock. I hope I get to see you soon. Uh, you guys are my extended family. 
Anna in LA, you rock. Keep doing what you're doing. Hope everything's well. And uh, yeah, thank you two so much for doing this podcast and uh, inviting me to be a part of it. Yay! Thanks. Amy, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to that interview with Amy Cadle. If you would like to learn more about her you can um, and uh, Supersonic Samba, you can go to www.sambasd.org. They also have a Facebook page, and we'll have links to those on our website at thebrazilianbeat.com. We have a special shout-out this week um, for our friend Henzo Hayashi, who is moving from Portland to Austin, Texas. He's probably, I don't know, where is he right now? Courtney, in Arizona somewhere? Probably, um, Utah, maybe? Yeah, taking a big truck full of stuff down there, and we want to wish him good luck. And for all our Austin friends, watch out for Henzo to, to be there full-time in October. He's a great player. He wants to play samba. He wants to play maraca, too. He likes pagoji. So welcome him to your community. So, yes, shout-out to Henzo. Good luck, and we'll miss you. Yes. Love you, Henzo. Bon voyage. All right. Uh, please send us your group's audio. If you'd like to have your group's audio featured here on the podcast, um, please send it to us. You can email that to us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Um, please also rate us on Apple Podcasts. Let's go. You can give a star rating and leave a little review of guests maybe you would like to hear on here, guest suggestions. Um, also, any other suggestions you might have, things you want to hear, things you don't want to hear. You can also find out more about our podcast and different guests, see photos at www.thebrazilianbeat.com. Again, our email is thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, BrazilianBeat1, that's the number one. Facebook, The Brazilian Beat Podcast. Instagram, The Brazilian Beat. And you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, and Player FM. It is also possible to stream and download our um, podcasts. It's also possible to stream and download our podcast through our website, uh, www.thebrazilianbeat.com. Thank you for listening.